You're loving Jesus. Come on. Let's praise him like we expect something today. Come on. Let's praise him like we expect. How would you praise him if you thought your life would be changed? Come on. That's what we need to do. <laughs> I'm contagious. I'm a super spreader. You get around me, you're going to catch this Jesus thing. Come on now. Just the way it is. You know, you've already been scripted for victory. And the script is the scriptures. Come on. So literally, anytime you're facing a problem, you got, need to go to the scripture and find the promise. And when you find the right scripture verse, then it's God versus the devil. Come on now. So the victory's already guaranteed. Now today I want to intimidate the intimidator. I want to make fear fear. Come on now. It's a whole different day, baby. It is. We win. We always win. But God began to deal with me this year. And in fact, every single day, I opened up the Bible to the same passage God told me. He said, you have to read this chapter every day this year. And that was Ezekiel 37. Where it talks about Ezekiel being dropped in the Valley of Dry Bones. And God began to deal with me that, you know, and we know that they ask, can these dry bones live? And God told me the dry bones is the church. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But it, it, it talks about a broken spirit dries the bones. And I honestly believe the church has had a broken spirit. And the only answer to the broken spirit is the word of the Lord. Come on now. It's a prophetic word that gets you up and moving together. So he begin to say prophesy life and the bones begin to come together. But that's not good enough. Because he said we need the breath. We need the wind. Most of your problem in life is wind. One way or the other. Because, you know, your blessing can be the wind because it could be a wind from heaven. But when, there, when storms were taking place, Jesus didn't rebuke the waves. He rebuked the wind because winds have to do with spirits. Come on. So when you begin to prophesy to the wind, you're asking the wind of God to begin to blow. And without the wind of God, we don't move. One of the greatest things in my life is I love to, to, to I, I love speed and people know me. I like fast and faster. Come on. You know, I, I, I everything in my life is speeded up. I, I love speed. I love. Uh, in fact, I used to have a ministry to policemen. <laughs> when they would pull me over, I said, obviously, God wants me to talk to you today. <laughs> But anyway, you know, I, li I, 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 I like speed and I've had the privilege of, of driving some of the world's fastest cars. You know, Maseratis, Ferraris. And what I love is I'm like Jesus. I borrow everybody else's stuff. 
And Jesus borrowed donkeys. To be, Jesus, you know, I mean, you know, borrowed the boats. You know, that's what I do. I don't want to pay for it. I just want to borrow it. <laughs> but even when you're in great, a great vehicle, if it has no fire in the ignition, it goes nowhere. And without the wind of the Holy Spirit, the church goes nowhere. So when you prophesy the wind, you know, it said then a mighty army came together. Come on. And that's what we're seeing is God's going to raise up a mighty army out of the dry bones. Come on. And then it goes on in Ezekiel 37 says, begin to prophesy for them to come out of the graves. And that's a word that God's telling me right now is a lot of you feel buried. Come on. And it's time to come out of your graves. And God says he's not only going to bring you out, he's going to bring you out to your land. Come on. on. He's going to bring you out to your land. There's a land to possess. Come on. But you can't possess it in the graves. So the word of the Lord's trying to get you out of the graves so you can go get your land. Come on. I started thinking about Lazarus, one of my favorite Bible characters. And I remember when Lazarus died in John chapter 11. And the sisters were talking, and that was a very confusing time because when Lazarus was sick, both Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sisters, sent a servant to Jesus. And you can read it in red letters, so it's there. And they said, is our brother going to be okay? And Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. And then he stays back another three or four days. And Lazarus dies. Now we got a problem. And it's the problem most Christians face. Because we know what God said and we know what we see. And they're not the same. And you know the sisters were talking because when Jesus showed up, they both said the same story. It's like the fake news. Because in fake news, you can go from channel to channel to channel, and all the wording is the same. You know they've been talking. And literally, they both said individually to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Lord, if you'd been here, my business wouldn't have died. Lord, if you'd been here, my marriage wouldn't have died. Lord, if you'd been here, my friend wouldn't have died or my child wouldn't have died. Come on. And what I found out about Jesus is he never answers unbelief. So they're talking about death. He starts talking resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And then they said, well, we know one day. That's where the church is. One day, one day we'll have revival. One day we'll have this. One day. And God doesn't want one day. God wants two day. Because faith is now. Come on. And what did Jesus say? He said, take me to the place where you decided it was over. Take me to the place where you buried him. Take me to the place where you disconnected. Take me to the place where you stopped believing. And God's trying to tell every one of you, I want you to go back to that place because I want to resurrect some things. Come on. There are things that you have counted dead that God wants alive. So he said, go back to that place. 
Will you stop believing? Watch what I'll do. It's a new day. And we know God called Lazarus out of the grave like he's calling us out of the grave. I begin to ask God about this last day's revival. It's funny how God speaks to me. I don't know how he speaks to you, but he speaks to me at the weirdest times in the weirdest ways. And I was missing my son who's in California. And I mean, it's cray cray out there. I'm told, you know, they quarantine everything. <laughs> they quarantine the quarantines. I don't know what that is. You know. So he wasn't able to come home because of all the restrictions. And so I was watching the show we used to watch as little kids. I mean, I had him watching as a little kid. And it was the Island of Misfit Toys. And I'm watching the Island of Misfit Toys. And God speaking to me and said, that's what revival looks like. I said, what? Yeah, he said, it's, going, it's a misfit revival. Because literally, the message of the kingdom is you don't fit in, you take over. And literally, there is a pressure for us all to be the same. We're in a cancel culture right now. And in cancel culture, if you don't speak what society tells you to speak, if you don't know, speak the same, act the same, and look the same, you are canceled. And I'll be honest with you, the church has been like that. Where we honestly all, they put pressure on us all to be exactly the same when God made us different. Come on. You were born in the original. Don't you die a cheap copy. Come on. You're not anointed to be anyone else but you. And there's parts of you that are kind of wild and quirky, and that's okay. That's needed. See, if we all were the same piece, only I would be needed. Come on. But because every one of you is unique and original, we need each other. And the only place we fit is the body of Christ and the anointed body of Christ. The only place we fit is the kingdom because the message of the kingdom is you don't fit in, you take over. God, when he calls people, he doesn't call them, He doesn't call the people the world would call. And first, you know, 1 Corinthians 1 talks about not many, not many wise, not many strong, not many noble. In fact, God said, I call the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Come on. See, what God's doing in these last days is he's bringing us all together for his purpose. And we can't do it individually because we feed off of one another. But corporately, we are unstoppable. The church is unstoppable. And if you'll join yourself to the right people, you'll be part of an unstoppable cause on the earth for good. Come on. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. No demon in hell can stop it. No man can stop the plan of God. My son's church, they shut down the buildings. And they had been in revival already for like 70 weeks when they did it. So they started doing their outdoor protest. They protest the works of the devil. Beach protests, park protests. 
And when they shut everything down, they were running in the, their different campuses about 10,000. Now they're running over 50,000 in their protests. Come on. Nothing can stop the church. Nothing can. You know, we're not a building. We are a people. We are a force. We are the life of God on the earth. We are the light of the world. If we don't shine, there's no light in the world because we're the light. We are the salt of the earth. If we don't mix with the dirt, there's no preservatives. We, we are literally the answer through Christ. That's who we are. Come on. I want you to begin to see this. There's a fire in my bones. I started thinking of all the different people. God uses people nobody would choose. Yeah. He, he looks at Moses on the backside of the wilderness. An 80-year-old man, he shows up in a burning bush. Yeah. And the bush says, hey, Mo, and if the bush knows your name, you at least... So he walks over to the bush and take off your shoes. And the bush knows my name and it's burning. And shoes are off, baby. But then God begins to meddle. He says, I've heard the cry of the people. They need to deliver. You're the man. And here Moses is. He got his shoes off, but his mouth was working. He started making excuses. See, God's going to tell you things, and most of us are, who am I? We start making excuses. God said, I'll be with you. And he said, then who are you? I thought I knew you last time, because he tried that before. That's why he was in the wilderness. He said, I am that I am. Everything you're not, I am. He said, how will they know? He said, what do you got? He said, I got, all I got in my life is this stupid little stick. Shepherd's rod. He said, throw it down. When he threw it down, out came a snake because anything you own is cursed. Anything God owns is blessed. You're never called to be an owner. You're called to be a steward. The moment you begin to become an owner, then it goes back under the curse. But when he gave the rod to God, a snake came out. And not only did the snake come out, but it became the rod of God and all the miracles were done that. Then he said, I can't speak, which is a prerequisite for any minister. I I could have hit a hundred mile an hour fastball, but I I, I was afraid to speak in front of 10 people. So what did God call me to? Yeah, stupid. God used the foolish. Who's the most foolish person? Yeah, there you <laughs> But somehow it works. Somehow it works. And I began to realize that God, what he does is he begins to download from heaven for an upgrade on earth. You know what a photograph is? It's a burst of light that leaves an impression. You know what happens when you get a word from heaven? It's literally the entrance of God's word in Psalm 119 verse 130 brings light. It's a burst of light that changes the picture on the inside that changes everything on the outside. That's what transformation is. Yeah. Transformation is revelation that changes your life so you can begin to operate in manifestation. Come on. Come on. That's what it is. 
And I started thinking about one of the greatest transformations in Scripture. And this is a word from heaven. It's literally the last day's army God's raising up is a Davidic army. It's an army of worshipers and warriors. And honestly, until you rebuild the tabernacle of David, you can't change anything because until you change the atmosphere, people can't seek him. Come on now. So praise and worship is literally the, the landmark of everything. Because it gives you in position to hear from heaven. You praise until the air changes and then you listen. But I started thinking about David. David was the number eight son. God told me that we're going to have a number eight revival. When the prophet was sent, when Samuel was sent to ordain a new king, anoint a new king, he was sent to Jesse's house. He said, show me my, your sons. And he showed him seven sons. David was the forgotten one. That's what God was telling me. He said, it's the forgotten ones I'm about ready to use. It's the ones that, that honestly are, 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 are serving a few sheep in, in a field of isolation, but it really is a field of preparation. It's the ones that the, their natural fathers didn't recognize. It's the ones that honestly always felt like, how come I'm being overlooked? Come on. And you see that when Jesse, you know, the Samuel had to ask Jesse, do you have any other boys? Because God kept rejecting everyone he saw. He said, I got the runt. I got the one in the backside of the wilderness. See, I found out something about that wilderness. It was not, uh, uh, the, it was not the field of the forgotten, although it seemed to be. It was a field of favor. It literally was a place where David learned to hear from God. It was the secret place where no one else was, could see him but the Father. Come on now. It's a type place where he learned how to be still and know that he was God. It was a place where he learned how to worship and he also learned how to war because he fought the, fight, the lion and the bear in private. It was a place where the integrity of his heart was established. It was that lone place with God. That literally there are people on the backside God's about ready to promote. They've been doing a lot of the right things. But no one else has been seeing them but God. So this makes sense. Because we need to begin to see that God's about ready to promote those that have been the, in, from an unseen realm. You know? David had a prophetic call because actually the prophet called him. He was the son the prophet called. The other son, man, showed off. But this one son was called by the prophet. There's a prophetic call on this generation. Come on. See, David was relegated to the fields, reviled by his brothers, overlooked by his father, but God remembered. Some of you, you it feels like God has forgotten you. You know, all throughout Scripture, there's this passage, and God remembered so-and-so. Usually it had to do with barren woman. 
And every time when it said God remembered whether it was Joseph's mom or Samuel's mom, each time there were people that, that were pray, they had prayed in their heart longed out for a breakthrough for years. And there was a reason it took years. Because what they were going to birth was going to change everything. Come on. See, some of you, don't, don't you give up. Don't you give up. Don't you, you're about ready to birth something. Come on. You may feel like you've been barren. You maybe feel like you've been forgotten. But in a moment, God's going to remember you. God never forgot you, but the due season, he remembers you. There's a difference. And when he remembers you, everything begins to flow. Come on. Is this okay? Some of you catching it in your spirit. You know, literally, God equips the undervalued. He prepares the forgotten to exalt them just at the right time. They humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. Some of you feel like arrows have been hidden in the quiver of the Lord. That's Isaiah 49, verse 2. One of my friends is the world champion archer. He's won the world championship the last two years. So I talked to him about that scripture. And I said, what about, what, why would they hide a qui- uh, an arrow in the quiver? And this is what he told me. He said, we have different arrows when you're an archer. He said, you have arrows that are made for broad targets. And he said, in those type of things, you can use a general arrow. But he said, you also have the special arrows you keep there and you continually balance until they're perfectly balanced. And they're not pulled out until there's a precise target where you can't, you cannot be off to the left and off to the right. You have to be directly on target. Come on. Where the bullseye is very, very, very little. And see, I believe many of us have been balanced in the quiver of the Lord for years. Come on. Where God is literally prepping us for that one time. And when you're, when you're an arrow in the, I, I, I don't know about you, I have felt like, I've watched God choose other arrows over me. Yeah. And I felt like, I'm better than that. Yeah. God, I don't mean, no brag, just fact, but I'm better than, God, you're using him, and I can tell you all his faults. Why aren't you using me? I almost felt like in the Shrek series, <laughs> when donkey's complaining. Always about Shrek. Always about Shrek. What about donkey? What about donkey? Come on. That's what I feel like. What about it? <laughs> yeah, you can tell. You can tell where most of my watching is. It's either sports or... <laughs> anyway. But in the midst of seeing that, you know, I've watched God do it, but then when the time comes, and I believe the time is coming, I believe God's about ready to choose us. I believe this is the greatest generation ever. But I believe also it's a generation where a lot of people have felt forgotten. Come on. Felt overlooked. How do I know this is the generation? When I talk about hidden to be revealed, the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 19, the whole earth is in travail. 
until the manifestation. You know what it's saying? The whole earth is in travail until that which is hidden is revealed. To the manifestation of the sons of God. Come on. Whole earth is in travail. And this last days, God's about ready to take what's been hidden. And it's going to be revealed. And it's going to be the secret weapon that is going to turn this whole thing around. And you're part of that secret weapon. Come on, God is calling you. Quirky and all. Come on. You be your cray-cray self. It's okay. You know what I'm saying. Your gift will make room for you in the presence of great men. And literally, until it's your time, you may be in prison, but when it's your time, you'll be prime minister. Come on. That when it's your time, though, that literally nothing can stop you from coming forth. And there's a stirring. Every one of these calling you forth. He's calling you. He said, come on, join my army. I need you. Join this force. Let your light, not somebody else's light. That's what I love about it. We don't all shine the same way, but we're all called to shine. Come on. Yeah, every one of us has strengths. Every one of us is special in God's eyes. And see, when God's misfits, the reason why it's so strong, you'll find out about misfits, they can celebrate the success of others because they don't want to be anybody else but themselves. I don't compare myself with anyone else. I am unique. I'm one of a kind. And, I, you know, I'm kind of a wild bunch. But I'm about ready to preach with Jesse DePlantis, so I'm normal. I'll preach with him in a couple of weeks, but but you know what you find out about number eight is they're always eager, you know, always eager to learn. Yeah. Why? Because they haven't arrived yet. Not that we've arrived. If you should see someone with their act together, it's just an act. Yeah. If you see someone too good to be true, that's true. Because true people, they're always learning. It's with meekness you receive the engrafted word of God. And what you find out about number eight is they don't quit. They'll keep playing until they win. I have one rule in my house. One rule is in my house. It's always been from the day I was little. Woody wins. That's the rule. We play until Woody wins. Come on. My brother will tell you about that rule. Because we were playing poker one day, and we start at 8 a.m., 8 a.m., and 4 a.m. the next morning. And I was only like 8 at the time. And my brother kept saying, and he was ahead by four and a half fake million dollars. He said, can I go to bed yet? I said, no, I haven't won yet. He said, I'm exhausted. I said, we don't quit until I win. He looked at me and said, I'm too tired. I quit. I said, I win. (laughs) 
I use the same thing against the devil all the time. All the time. He keeps hitting me and hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. I said, we don't quit till I win. We don't quit till I win. And finally he gets fed up and picks on somebody else because we don't quit till I win. Come on. He all, God always leads you in triumph. You learn from your failures. You fail forward. Now, it's not that you don't fall. A righteous man falls seven times, gets back up. Come on. It's not how many times you go down. It's how many times you pop back up. Some of you, you need to pop back up. You've been down too long. You've been having a pity party, a party with the pit. That's no fun. When you're in number eight, you learn how to love God, love people, and keep the balance. Because if you don't love people, you don't love God. Some of the meanest people in the world are religious people. They judge people. They try to clean the fish before they ever catch them. They wonder why no one wants to go to their church because they don't want to get skinned alive. <laughs> Come on. See, I'll guarantee you something. When you're in number eight, you live with passion because you're walking with God because you know you need God every single hour of every single. It's impossible to walk with God and not be on fire. When I get around people that lack fire, they may have read their Bible, they may have done, but they haven't been in the presence of God because you can't get around God without being positive and on fire. You can't. He'll rub off on you. This just makes sense. I don't know about you. I, I, I'm just ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to, to learn. And what I found out about this, you know, n- number eight is, is they, love, they, they love corporate things, but they also love to be alone. You know, that's why Jesus was. If you study the life of Jesus, most of the time he's trying to get away from people. I mean, he was trying to go all by himself and pray, go in this and pray, go. And, you know something? I found out the happiest people in the world are, the, I mean, when I was locked in with me, I was so happy. I said, man, what a, what a great, I'm a, I'm with what, you know, I'm with the two people I love the most, God and me. <laughs> what a trip. <laughs> Paul learned how to do that in prison, you know. I mean, they locked him in the prison. He learned to be content, and then he learned how to rejoice evermore. And, and you know, he just learned, hey, 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 we can be a one-man party. <laughs> Some of you today, God wants to get you out of, you know, looking in the natural and beginning to grab hold of your destiny. You're, you know something, you're not here just for you. And if you're here just for you, you're miserable. Because yeah. you weren't created just for you. You were created already before a foundation of the world with good works pre- literally programmed in you. You are actually pro- programmed to be a blessing. Amen. And if you're not fulfilling that program, you're miserable. People say, you know, you're always pouring out, and I'm always happy. 
Because all you know, people, you people say, you, he said, how? I said, with me, I don't think about me much because I already love me. <laughs> so I don't have to. I don't have to think, well, people ask, how does that make you feel? I don't know. I always tell my wife, I said, you know, she'll ask me, how does that make you feel? I said, if you keep asking me, it makes me feel angry because I don't know how I feel. <laughs> I said, you can, do, you can do the feeling, I'll do the thinking. <laughs> uh, you know, people have to always tell me when I'm supposed to be offended. <laughs> how come that... You should be offended. I should. <laughs> I'm like the dog, you know, you kick and they love me. <laughs> but how many of you today, you, you, you know, you know, you know, you know. I, I, I just want to pray for people in a second because I know something's about ready to take place here. Yes. Something's about ready to take place. You know what God's doing? He's calling the number eights from the backside of the wilderness. He's calling you from your field to your calling. Come on. He's calling you from, from outside to the king's palace. He's calling you to himself. Come on. And he's calling you to step on up because you're better than that. I want to pray for people today that you either, either you, you, you're sensing that, that, that thing is that God... Some of you feel forgotten. I, I, some of you, honestly, you let go of some stuff. And God's today, even in the altar call, I want you to go back to the place where you stopped believing. And say, okay, God, now I'm dedicating myself to pick back up what you called me to. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And some of you let go of your purpose because of pressure. God wants to restore your purpose today. There may be someone here today never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you have made him Lord, but you, you walked away. And you may still be in church, but you're not close anymore. Come on. There's a difference between attending church and walking with God. There's a difference between going through the motions and actually expecting God to show up. And God literally wants to call you to a different level. I want every head bowed, no one looking around. It's the way we do in America. If you fall asleep, God give you a dream. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> he won't let you off the hook. God will invade your space, get in your face because you're too valuable for him to lose. But is there anyone here today who said, man, I'm not right with God today. Maybe, maybe you walked away from God. Maybe you never made Jesus Lord your life. Maybe you did, but you, you said, I need to make a comeback today. If that's you, raise your hand where you are. I see that hand. Anybody else say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. There's others in here. I know that. How many of you say, man, I got to get my fire back. I got to get my fire and my zeal back. I've got, I, there it is. There it is. Come on. How many of you say, this, you're talking to me. I have felt for God, and I felt like, you know, I love God. And I said, God, when's my time coming? And God says, I'm about ready. To, I've never forgotten you, but I'm about ready to remember you. 
Sometimes God's prepping on both sides so it takes longer than you think it will. But when it happens, it really happens. There may be someone in here today saying, man, I need a miracle in my body. By His stripes you were healed, but that, that's nice to claim it, but it's, it's even nicer when it's manifest. But if you want prayer this morning, I, I want you to come up where you are. I want to pray for you. There's a fresh fire anointing in here.